Welcome to The Writer's Edge, a podcast about what it takes to succeed as a writer in academia and beyond. I'm Dr. Eric Mason, faculty with the College of Arts, Humanities, and Social Sciences. We record out of Shark Tank number two in the Writing and Communication Center, the programs of which serve all NSU students and faculty. Today, my guests are the editors of Digressions, NSU's student-run literary and art journal, as well as one of their faculty advisors, Dr. Mario D'Agostino. Welcome. Um, so I'm going to let you introduce yourselves as to what you do for Digressions before I start grilling you about what it is you do and what you publish and how students can get involved. So please introduce yourself. All right, I'm Logan Stewart. I am the director of Digressions. Um, my name is Jenna Kopek. I am the associate editor and event and social media coordinator for Digressions. I'm uh, Mario D'Agostino. I'm the co-faculty advisor to Digressions and uh, You know, I'm just sort of there to sometimes answer questions, but the two that just spoke sort of spearheaded the whole thing. Can one of you provide us with a synopsis? What is Digressions? Who is it for? Who reads it? Who contributes to it? So Digressions is NSU's literary and art journal. It was previously known as just our literary magazine. Uh, We actually had a name change this year because we had more and more visual entries because it wasn't just poetry or fiction or other forms of writing but it was also photography or artwork so the name change is just a way to better encompass of everything that our journal now includes yeah and the journal is really for everybody because we're held under the department of writing and communication i think sometimes people don't realize that we have people who are biology majors submit We have people who are law students submit, chemistry majors, whatever it is. We welcome everybody to submit. We have reviewers from many different colleges review for us. And I think the hope would be that everyone is reading the journal or at least knows about the journal. And if that's not your thing, cool, but give it to your friend who does like to read because they're the low, low price of free. (laughs) (laughs) And just so we know, like, where can they get it? Well, if you aren't able to find a copy on campus, you are able to go to NSU Works and find it there. And you can also see our previous issues that we've had released. And the work that's included inside isn't just from undergraduate students, but it also encompasses our graduate students. So it's a good way to not just see what they've done this year, but you can go back and see what older students have done and see how we've progressed as a journal. Do you personally think yourself as a writer or is there another label that fits the kind of work you do, both the journal and just as a student? I know you said it pulls from all around the university, but is writing even a, uh, you know, a label you like attached to the journal? Definitely, because a large portion of our content definitely is writing the art has been something has been the smaller component that has developed to accompany that. I personally would consider myself a visual artist because I am an art and design major and I follow like the studio art track so most of the work I would produce is on the visual side but Jenna she's kind of like balances me out as the writer. Yeah so I would definitely identify as a writer of all shapes and forms so I like doing papers as much as I like writing poems because I'm just that kind of person I think that sometimes saying that you like writing has like a little bit of a stigma to it because people are like they always go to the papers like oh I can't write because I don't write academic papers well but then the more that you talk to people you realize that they have done writing in some shape or form like maybe you don't like writing academic papers but 
you are writing poetry and that is still a form of writing and I think whether or not you identify that as writing or art is just like a personal decision. Sure. All these students you're pulling from who want to be involved in the arts, what sort of support can they get? It only gets published once a year, but can you sort of help people who are interested in contributing? You know, do you just collect submissions and publish or is there kind of a process that you engage in throughout the year? So it used to be that you would just submit and you would hear back like three to four months later and it was like yes or no sometimes if we had constructive feedback like oh if you just did these couple of things we think it would be a lot better we would give that to you but this year we had rolling submissions so as submissions came in I was looking at them sending them out to reviewers getting feedback and we actually had the opportunity for you to resubmit so if it was one of those things where oh, well, we really just think you need to change like a couple of things and then it would be really good. We would give you that feedback and you would have the opportunity to resubmit ahead of time. And I thought that was really cool in terms of an opportunity to really grow creatively. Before that, we also initiated an event called the Work It Out Workshops, which was one night here in the WCC and basically like whatever your your niche was whether it was art or writing or you were just stuck or you needed a space where nobody was going to bother you for a few minutes um so that you could work on stuff we um we set that up for you so we had sessions where people would help you work through writer's block um logan taught people how you can submit to the journal because submitting artwork is really tricky. So we do try to support um, your creative endeavors in whichever way that we can. And I know it's hard to say this as a editor or I guess now director in managing this and bringing these pieces to a publication. Like, are there any that you especially like or love or just you find really interesting or you're really glad to have been part of that process? I really like a lot of the visual pieces that were submitted this year, but one of my favorites was Travel Clusters, uh, submitted by Sarah Goldsman. I'm not really sure what it is. I guess it's just the overall color palette. I, li- I personally like to people watch, and I feel like I'm able to do this in this picture, and I'm just able to see these little groups of families sitting around or people leaning back and talking to one another, and I like to imagine kind of like where they are or what they're, what's on their mind in that moment, and that's why I personally really am drawn to that piece. And can I say, I actually like that one a lot too, mm-hmm. uh, partially because the title Travel Clusters. And a lot of uh, times when people uh, submit photography to a journal and it's when it's travel-based, it's often of this like site, like I went to this monument, that sometimes travel focuses on the destination and not the people. So to see it say travel, but to not know where it is, to have it be more about the people and that kind of interim space. I don't know if it's an airport or some sort of guiding space, but obviously they're kind of still in the process of traveling. They're not really there. I sort of appreciate that because sometimes I think people think, oh, I have this great picture of the Eiffel Tower, and I'm like, which is just like millions of other pictures of the Eiffel Tower. <laughs> but that one is not, uh, and I like that one too. So we had a lot of great submissions, but one of my personal favorites was While I Am a Woman by Nicole Chavans. It's a poem. It actually won our staff favorite for poetry. I think it just conveyed a really strong emotion, a really strong frustration that 
is easy for women to identify with. But she did so, so succinctly. And it was one of those that you could tell that she had put a lot of thought into it and why why she chose to say what she chose to say and how she said it. It was really art, to me, at least. <laughs> and I know Nicole, she's one of our mm-hmm. grad students in our you know, composition, rhetoric, and digital media program, so she's certainly interested in both writing and you know, multiple media. Dr. Agustin, do you have a, a favorite you'd like to discuss? I, I would just sort of want to reiterate what was already previously said, that there are some fantastic submissions that came in this year, but I do really like Ricky Finch's short story. It has a long title, so I have to look it up, but it's A Grocery Shopper's Guide to Birdwatching in South Florida. I like it in part uh, because he was actually chosen to read at our launch this year, and I thought he just did a fantastic job. And all the elements of his writing really came through in how he engaged with sort of presenting it to everyone. You know, it's really playful, which I like, but as somebody who isn't from Florida and who was born in Canada myself, a lot of the themes that he touches on uh, are things that I had experienced at least initially in moving to Florida from Canada quite often I would go to Publix and think, wow, what a strange place I now live in. So I I think there was a lot of themes that that he sort of touched on that I was connected with, perhaps not so much now, um, but that's that for me was was one that I really enjoyed. And that that idea of the the transplant, the person who's out of their, you know, ordinary location, you know, sort of having a real insight into their space, I think is kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, And I think that's a nice thing about college in general, and SU in particular, because we are so diverse, people come from so many different places, uh, you really have a lot of insight coming from the students about what it means to kind of be in the United States, yeah. at NSU, in Florida. I am born in Florida myself, but I think having so many people come to Florida from outside was always interesting to me as a child. Ricky's piece, I think, does sort of give you that perspective, kind of yeah. take you out of the ordinary way of looking at things. Definitely. And I think he's from, I'm sorry, is it Tennessee? Tennessee. Tennessee, Tennessee yeah. yes. Yeah. All right. So I have a question to your students here, and I assume graduating soon at some point. I don't know if it's immediate. Um, almost immediate. Almost immediate. All right. <laughs> Pretty yeah. immediate. It's coming so, up. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, I wonder what value has this project been to you, either personally or even professionally? It's meant a lot. <laughs> I think one of the biggest things I learned being part of this team is just how to work with people, which I think is an experience you get with any sort of job or organization you're a part of, but every organization's unique. This one was a really creative situation, you know, and not to say that working in a WCC is a creative writing place, but when you're working with digressions, you're welcoming in content that comes from a place that's very personal from the people who submit to us Um, a lot of the content we receive is heavy there is some lighter content but a lot of it comes from like a painful place or a painful experience and I think that when you're running an organization that has to deal with taking in that kind of content and like how to respond if we get a piece that we may or may not submit and like how do we take pieces that we submitted and then appropriately place them in our journal and like how do we do that justice so I think that that additional element just trying to figure out how to handle that was something that I learned from this whole experience yeah I I agree with that because before working for digressions I actually worked for the current so it was every week you you had a payout, right? The next issue would come out and you're like, okay, I killed myself over it, but here it is. Here is my project. 
with digressions, we publish once a year. And I think it really taught me to look look at the long game. So I was really proud, as was Logan, when we finally published this year's issue. But I, I think it really taught me to really value the work that you put into the long-term project. And just how much work and how many different pieces are involved. Because yes, Logan and I put in a lot of work. But so did all of our reviewers, and so did our advisors, and so did all of the people who submitted like 10 items. And there were a lot of people who submitted 10 items. So it really takes so much just to create this one really beautiful journal. So I know you're the advisor, uh, Mario, but you know, would you say you learned anything from this process? Uh, I think so. Prior to coming to NSU, I, I had worked at Taylor and Francis, so I had been part of different book projects there, and 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 that that was great. But one of the things with with that job in particular is that you don't really have the face to face contact with the authors, the contributors, and really the people that are sort of cobbling this whole thing together. Um, a lot of times it was just you know send out an email, maybe you get a response. Sometimes you didn't then you'd have to call the author and so on and so forth. But I got a chance to work with two uh, really great students, and they were they were just sort of spot on uh, in every aspect throughout this process. But it was be able, being able to collaborate with them virtually every day. Uh, Jenna was an intern uh, last semester on digressions. So that was an experience that was different from my publishing background previous. Uh, and, and to be honest with you, I think having that interaction almost daily, or at least every couple days, I hadn't really truly realized the amount of work that had gone into this until literally while we were at the launch sitting down and seeing all of it come together. And I thought, wow, we have, like, there was a lot that was done in eight months for this to happen. Again, a testament to the two individuals that are sitting to my immediate right, which the podcast listeners cannot see. But yeah, I I think part of that was being uh, so site-specific in the process that you know, you almost forgot how much work was actually being done. So are there any other plans for the future, things that are going to change, things that you want to sort of build on that you've already started, you know, for future issues? Um, I mean, obviously Logan and I are graduating, so we don't have a whole lot of control over where the journal will be going. Uh, I would say that I would just like to see it continue to grow. I think we've done a lot over the past year to really make digressions a bigger part of the NSU community. We really pushed to have events, we really pushed to have our name out there, and I would just like to see that continue. And I would like to see students see digressions as an outlet for them. And I I think there was a lot that both of you put in place this year as well. Now, to my to my knowledge, the events that were hosted this year had not happened previously. And I think those are really important. The Work It Out sessions, the collaboration with Open Expressions, at the very least, made those students aware who were looking for a creative outlet that digressions does in fact exist on campus, right? So as somebody that's going to be around digressions next year, I think a lot of the groundwork that Logan and Jenna had laid this year is something to build off of, you know, whether it's the event hosting or, as you had suggested, using the, the events as a way to continue sort of marketing and advertising that, that this journal exists. And if you're looking for a creative outlet, please submit. 
Yeah, and I guess that I just want to see student involvement increase, and not just like in submissions, but also who's involved behind reviewing and who's involved in heavier tasks. Well, not more heavier tasks, because reviewers actually do a lot for us, but people who do more of the leadership aspect. Because I think when Digressions is able to work up to having a larger amount of people working in those positions, we'll be able to uh, manage more reviewers or take in more submissions. I know that some schools with their art journals, they are able to have a group large enough to like sit around together and have a submission up on the board and they all critique it together. And I think that would be something really cool um, that we might not be able to achieve necessarily in the next year or two, but it's definitely something to strive for and just building that community and making it even stronger. Well, thank you for coming in. Thank you for putting together this great opportunity and resource for our students here at NSU. You know, if anyone listening sort of wants to get in contact with them, they, as they said, they do rolling submissions. So at any time of the year you feel inspired to create, just you know, look them up, find out what they're doing, and uh, submit something. So thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for having us. <laughs> Our interview is over, but we've got a little treat here. We've got readings from the authors of two of the pieces that the staff here identified as their favorite pieces for the most recent issue. You'll be hearing Nicole Chavan, who's reading her poem, While I Am a Woman, and Ricky Finch reading his short fiction, A Grocery Shopper's Guide to Birdwatching in South Florida. Enjoy. While I Am a Woman. While the choices I make are subject to your scrutiny, while the clothing I wear dictates your views of me, while the curls of my hair, which grow from the root naturally, are judged as lazy and trashy, while the blood I lose monthly is deemed dirty and disgusting, corrupting my judgment and leaving me unworthy, I am not your equal. Speak you to me of equality? Honey, you don't know the meaning. But I won't stop choosing, and wearing, and curling, and bleeding until I'm sure that you do. I'll choose my words carefully, making sure not to bruise that delicate ego you hold so dearly with the fire that burns beneath my simmering tongue. I'll wear down your prejudices like the salty waves that slowly but surely erode their stony oppressors, a constant barrage of knowledge to combat your hateful resistance to change. I'll curl around you like smoke, make you breathe me in like the inescapable atmosphere I am. Fill your lungs with my fragrant essence until I am all that pervades your thoughts. And I'll bleed for my place on this mother of all mothers. I'll bleed and I'll burn like you'll never have to until we finally understand one another. Summers in South Florida are hot, humid, even early mornings. I step out onto the back deck to cage the day and notice the sky seems bigger than I remember. The sun shines and the ever-present storm clouds polka dot the sky. Each morning the neighborhood chickens sing a foul song. Cluck, cluck, screech, cluck, cluck. This morning the clucks are entrancing. My cigarette burns down to the filter, singeing my fingers. Ouch, I yelp, interrupting the concerto of clucks. Glancing skyward, I notice in wonderment the painted blue skies with big puffs of hanging white clouds mixed with the perfect shade of gray when lingering burning baking mist intrudes my thought. The smoke alarm screams in pain. I hurry through the door and turn off the stove and turn the ceiling fan on. The ceiling fan spins fast enough to dislodge small chunks of plaster along the base mixing tiny particles with the floating greasy mist. The fan sucks the smoke up and spits the toxic concoction back in my face. The neighbor's hen walks by the open door, head cocked to the side, 
taken in the side of flailing arms and deep excelled futile breasts, watery eyes, and a charred skillet still in my hand. Cluck, cluck, screech, cluck. Are you making fun of me? I say while hopelessly swinging through the smoke. Cluck, cluck, screech. This isn't funny. This is normal, I say. She wanders off, pecking at the ground, back over the fence, the cadence of clucks and screeches fading into the field behind the house. Normal. Since moving to South Florida, life hasn't felt normal. I walk across the street to the grocery store to buy soap. The chicken won't clean up the congealed bacon grease, so I must. I turn right through the automatic sliding doors, dodging a pyramid of chips and salsa, fresh baked breads, and cakes lingering in the air in the deli. The deli display is filled with hams, turkeys, buffalo chicken, and every cheese imaginable. I browse the display for a moment and consider picking up something to make a sandwich. At that moment, an electric motor growls, and a pain crushes my thigh. I tumble to the ground, my body bouncing off the tiled floor. A tiny elderly woman in a scooter glares down at me. Did you take a number, she squawks. What are you talking about, I ask. She lurches forward. You didn't take a number, pointing at a small red spencer with a number 42 hanging like a tongue. Brass Knuckles Betty was not alone. A gaggle of scooters moved swiftly, surrounding me on every side. I've never encountered squealing scooters and silverhead misfits in the deli before. I spring to my feet and hurdle sidecar Susan, looking back only for a moment, then smacking into a pyramid of chips and salsa. I tumble to the floor, Betty's cackle ringing in my ears. I want to think the ladies meant me no harm, though Betty's actions would say differently. As I sat covered in salsa and salty chips, trying to remember why I left the house today, I felt isolated. It's not easy connecting with the new city. The street names are strange, the television channels are all different, the trees are palms, and where are the squirrels? People are polite here in a local kind of way, a way I don't understand. The Cuban culture is vibrant, interesting, present all around, but I cannot find any Cuban food. My neighborhood is quiet and friendly, I think. I really don't know. They all hurry to get inside when I wave hello. And the grocery store deli has complex protocols I never imagined existed. I wonder for a moment if it would be easier to just go home, buy a one-way ticket back to Cozy and enjoy a belly full of disappointment on the flight. An angry red-faced man with a clipboard hovers over me, pointing towards the bathrooms and back. The salsa left a red stain on my white shirt. Leaving the restrooms, I turned right down the automotive aisle, around a corner, then smack, off my feet again. Except this time I was greeted with a smile and a hand reaching down to help me up. I'm so sorry, the lanky fellow with big brown eyes said. His soothing tones and friendly gestures confused me. Are you okay, he asked. Yes, I am. Excuse me, I did not see you coming. It's okay, he responded. Placing his hands on my shoulders, he dusted away the leftover tomato and onion bits. I look at his featureless face. He moved me to the left. Duck, he said. Quack, I replied. What? he asked quizzically, like the chicken looking at me this morning. Never mind. Nice to meet you, he said. He turned and looked down at the shelf, picking up a large box containing a mobile generator. He gave me a wink. Thanks, buddy. He said, waddling away from me with a big box hanging from his arms. The manager walks quickly in our direction, his face red as salsa. Sirens explode in my ear. I see the back door flapping back and forth. Oh. Oh, my. Oh, bloody hell. I tuck my chin to my chest and make haste to the exit, disappearing out the front door before red-faced manager sees me. The parking lot buzzes. Shopping carts synchronize to just miss moving cars. Carriages carrying babies with stains on their shirts like mine and Betty's gang zooming down the lane in a V formation, her cackle echoing, and me standing on the corner looking out at a small pond adjacent to the building. A car speeds by with a box hanging out of the window. The sun shines except for the singular rain cloud hanging out at my corner. I walk a hundred feet to the left. It follows. 
Laughing raindrops wash the saucer from my pants and hair, then seep into my shoes so every step squelches. I walk home wet and squishy. The chicken song stings in my head. Cluck, cluck, screech, cluck. What it must be like to be a bird with wings to take you skyward, never knowing where one might land. I landed in South Florida, awkward and searching for my place. So far outside the comfortable, I had always known that each day brings a new set of uncomfortable. It's maddening this sitting in the sun. I want to scream, but I know it won't help. My phone dings. I text my friend back home. She writes, Now when I feel myself falling upward to the cosmos, I tighten my shoelaces and remind myself the world is right size. I spend the afternoon cleaning up this morning's mess and drying out my shoes. The chickens cluck and screech in the field. The hen walks by the door, stopping to admire my cleaning work. I walk outside. My friend's words reverberating. The rain clouds dissipate into the big blue sky just in time for the sunset. It is romantic, the South Florida sunset, peering through the towering palm trees, the reds, orange, and blues mixing together to say good morning to the stars.